every single Saturday on these airwaves. My name is Casey Steve, the voice of your valley. On Merced's News Talk, 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, KYOS. Come on. Said. And also that's for you, Marilyn. Or should we say for those about to lock down, huh? Yeah. That's right. For those about to rock. Well, we're rocking and rolling here in California. Welcome to Saturday morning, early edition, the 6 a.m. edition. My name's Casey Steed, Citizen Watch. November 21st, the 21st of November, that's right, the third Saturday of four. Of course, next weekend, the or next uh, week, the big the big tea day, turkey day. That's right. Just don't congregate with the turkeys, I guess. Uh, do not do not flock together, or you may get arrested. Who knows? I don't know. They're not supposed to. Uh, they're not going to enforce the curfew, shutdowns, anything here. So, what good are they? But we'll talk about that later. You know what we're going to talk about. Here in the 6 a.m. hour, a lot of interesting comments made at the Merced County Board of Supervisors meeting that was held this past Tuesday, the 17th of November, 10 a.m. I know a lot of people, well, maybe now with the quarantine, the shutdown, the lockdown, the curfew, I don't know, maybe people can get away at 10 o'clock in the morning. If not, you can always watch it virtually. But I'm going to play the comments from a couple of the supervisors. Some made none. Some did. The first being from Scott Silvera, District 5 out there. The west side is the best side uh, in his first term. So let's now go to those comments by Supervisor Scott Silvera relating to Merced County moving into the purple tier. And so now we'll go to board reports with Supervisor Silvera. Thank you, Mr. Chair. And I don't know, Jim, I got a message that my microphone is really echoey that when they're hearing it, it sounds like I'm in a tin can. So if we can get someone to turn it down or do something, I would appreciate it. So uh, first off, I want to start off by uh, saying congratulations to Karen Helms. Um, it is quite the, the the presentation that the treasurer tax collector made to Karen Helms uh, at the beginning of the meeting. Um, it's quite a undertaking the process that she went through and and you have to be a person that really does appreciate numbers and um, all those kind of things to do the, that long course work and so congratulations on on the hard work and then also uh, Eric Serrato um, look forward to we got to meet with Eric a little bit this morning uh, his enthusiasm shows uh, immediately when you sit down and talk with him i think that um, we have nothing but good things to look forward to um, with eric now at the helm of workforce development and then i I mean i want to talk about it i'm going to use this as the opportunity but again i'm going to start to share frustrations with um, the state of california the california department of public health in changing constantly changing the goalposts on us Um, through this process of the tier system, we would get reports every Tuesday on what counties were going from up or down tiers. And then now Department of Public Health last night, yesterday afternoon, moved us into the purple tier. And then the, the, the misinformation that got put out there, whether it was immediately, whether it was at midnight. So I had businesses that were currently allowed to be open in the red category, were now in the purple category. 
were they supposed to shut down their businesses? Does it start today? I am so frustrated, so, so frustrated of being at the short end of this. Um, the state does whatever they want to do with no consideration or care for how it affects us here, the, the local policymakers, the ones that are going to get the phone call. Um, I'm going to point it out. I know he's apologized on multiple occasions, but the governor sees fit that he can go out and to a party of 13 or more people. Um, I, he didn't expect that many to people to be there. Um, you know, a reporter catches it, and it, it just it's 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 just very very frustrating. And so I want um, staff to. CEO Brown, give me is is we are there's there's an appeal process uh, to whether we think that we need to be in purple or not. Um, I don't know what that I, the way that I understand that appeal process is that buys us another week to stay in the red category. Um, I've heard some rumblings that that rule has changed today to where now it it, it buys you 24 hours. Uh, I know that there was talk, and I apologize, I was out of town for a little bit, but I know that there was talk that we, we may go into the purple category, um, but we leave our businesses just at such, such a disadvantage, especially these restaurants. You know, we live in the Central Valley, and, and you know, in the summertime, we got really great weather, but we're getting to that point of the year where eating outdoors is not always possible. Restaurants order food based upon, you know, being able to follow the social distancing rules. 25% of capacity then all of a sudden they get shut down you know and if they're not doing the takeout thing or, or what happens to all that food they just keep getting hammered just hammered every time a decision is made and you know I, I got I appreciate Senator Caballero being here um, I quite really didn't need another report on COVID because I get one of those every month um, but I, I didn't hear anything necessarily that the state legislature is doing to help us through COVID um, and I'm a little frustrated with that and, and it just at this point, I, I want to know, like, so what are our options here? Because I'm at the point now, I, I mean, I, the, I had the um, Dave Barboa from the Dos Palace Sun text me last night wanting a quote about what are we doing, uh, what are my feelings about going into the purple category, and I'd like to share my quote with him that I gave him um, with you guys. I'm very frustrated with CDPH. They're trying to treat all counties the same when we are all very different. They need to let each county make decisions that are best for their county. I too agree with Dr. Asadi in, in like, I think our public health staff, I think Dr. Nananjo, uh, I think that they've been doing a good job of managing this. But they're they're now they're they're not allowed to keep managing it. They're being told, dictated by the state. And oh my gosh, if you do something that's the state is opposed to, then there's all these threats of I'm over it. I I'm 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 over it. I'm I think people are fatigued. I don't want to steal my my colleague from from District Three's, but but he said it yesterday. Is just think about it. So where where are we getting most of our case spread right now? That, that's being done, it's, it's being transmitted through households, uh, parties, gatherings at home. And kind of, to me, one of those escapes is being able to go to a restaurant or, you know, and, and you're doing it in a controlled environment where you're there for about an hour or so. They, they got all the precautions in place, they're sanitized, they clean everything. And then, you, then when you're done, you're, you're out, you go. But now we're gonna close those down and we're going to now make people, what are they gonna do? 
they're gonna, they're gonna stay at home and they're gonna invite a few of their friends over and then you know how it is when you're around your friends all the social distancing and stuff yeah that kind of goes out the window and where you would have stayed at a restaurant for about an hour or so you're gonna stay over there three hours isn't it that the, the longer exposure you have with people is when your um, likelihood of getting infected goes up I, i'm not sitting here and saying that i don't think this is real i just think oh no i'm I don't think this. I know this. I know that I am sick and tired of being dictated to by Department of the California Department of Public Health what's best for us in Merced County. I already went on my rant last month or earlier this month about how we're being put at a disadvantage. They know this. They know that we are below the median household income we have a lack of access to health care but yet they're putting unrealistic expectations on testing we're doing everything we can we're pushing it out on social media we're telling people go get tested go get tested go get tested but we the numbers don't lie that if you live in a more affluent area and have better access to health care you're going to get tested more if you live in a poorer rural area like we all represent it's not so easy to get there and oh by the way when you got to go to work and and you, you're depending on that income you don't you're not going to make the time to go get testing but yet they're going to hold that against us so i i don't know if dr nananjo is here but i i do want clarification on i i think that we need to um appeal this decision by the governor um and that and i need to know what that means because i got people right now that are waiting for a phone call from me after this meeting on whether or not they're going to be able to open their restaurant tonight or not whether they need to tell their staff to stay home or come to work uh i have a person that that has a gym that's that needs to know whether he's going to be open or not and so I, i'm just i'm frustrated with the the lack of transparency on the information that's coming out of the state of california when it comes to the COVID. and it just feels like listen however you voted in the election really don't care but it just seems like now all of a sudden that it looks like there's a, a potential biden administration coming in and now they're all feeling low free to just keep dumping more crap on us and i'm tired of it I'm, I'm just I, I don't know how much more I, I do have COVID fatigue I am I'm, I'm just tired of of everything that's COVID related and I know that's what's going on out there as I talk to people constituents of mine and I have constituents that are genuinely scared and, and I appreciate that but they're just they're just they're asking the question now even some of the ones that were I'm gonna say leaning more toward the like really kind of afraid didn't want to go out are starting to ask the question now when does the disease or excuse me, the cure become more costly than the disease. And then the last thing that I want to leave with is, um, Director Valentine mentioned it earlier, we are in the middle of a, sep a second pandemic right now that we don't hear anybody talking about. That is the, the, the mental health, the behavioral health uh, pandemic that we're in right now. Talk to anybody, anybody that's in that line of work right now. And there is not one person that has anything but nervousness coming out of their mouth about where we're at, what this is doing to our kids what it just i don't know and then and then where's the state going to be for that because i mean i'm going to share this i talked to um, director valentine on one of her items yesterday and they're telling them that they need to be thinking about 2004 realignment numbers realignment dollars that's what funds phrs and and, and our health and human services stuff they're saying expect that your numbers for next year are going to be at 2004 levels not 2014 which was only you know six years ago 16 years ago numbers on that's documented 
how much of a problem that we're having now and then what are the long-term effects of keeping kids out of school i've i've played i think i've played nice in the sandbox for about eight months now and and really trying to let our public health experts guide me help give people good information but i'm now to the point where i'm sorry i reject it i reject going into purple i want to know what it takes for us to um to appeal that what does that mean and and i'm telling you i know there was a phone call uh, a voicemail call i got a voicemail in my office about i want to talk about what do we do about repealing this health order and and putting the decision back in the folks who are elected to do it because i've trusted the public health officials and i still trust mine don't want that to and, and and i'll talk soon i'm sure with dr nananjo i trust my local ones to help guide me through this i don't trust i'm not saying that they're not smart people because they're probably a lot smarter than me but i don't trust i don't like the way that california department of public health is treating us and treating these counties so i'm ready now to say i'll 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 do it the go it alone approach let's do our let's do what we got to do and then you know if they want to withhold money from us well Forrest, you're gonna earn yours because we'll be in court a lot right and and and, and it just um i i'm just i'm done i'm done um with it i don't know I'm, I'm curious to listen to what my how and what my colleagues have to say about this but again it's not that i'm think that this isn't real we knew that there was going to be a second wave of this stuff. It's just the hypocrisy. I'm, I'm the, you know, I'm the governor, and I, I, he, I think in his apology he said he needs to actually practice what he's preaching. No, so, anyways, thank you, Chair. I know it's thank long. You. Thank you, Brother Pereira. What, what day is it? Um, anyways, we finished up there with the uh, first part of the comments from Supervisor Pereira. He didn't know what day it was, but I, I thought the comments by Supervisor Silvera were very, uh, very relevant, especially in light of the back and forth that we've been going through, the businesses that have been going, uh, going through here in Merced County. But we're out of time for this segment of Citizen Watch. We'll have to uh, join you after the break. My name's Casey Steed, the voice of your valley. On Merced's News Talk 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, KYOS. We'll be right back. Here we are. Got some new equipment here this morning. Welcome back to the second segment of Citizen Watch, 6 a.m. hour, early, early, getting you that content. Yeah, keep on going. We're going to keep on going now with the uh, comments by the Board of Supervisors at their last meeting. This was at the uh, Board of Supervisors meeting held, oh, let's see, Tuesday the 17th. We just heard from Scott Silvera, very frustrated with the governor's edicts coming down, apparently tone deaf to our situation here in Merced County, the businesses, especially those dine-in restaurants. You heard 
Supervisor Silvera talk about his constituents not even knowing if they could be open the next day because, as you know, this came down on a Monday. Normally, the shutdowns, if there are going to be any from the state, the edicts from the governor, come down on Tuesday, and usually you have four or five days to comply. That's how it's been in the past when we've gone from the red to the purple tier or whatever restriction has come along. Of course, as you know, tonight at 10 p.m., the curfew will begin. Make sure you are inside by 10 o'clock. I remember they used to have that commercial on TV from Sheriff Margaret Mims. It's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? Well, now you can all look at each other because you'll all be inside. It's for the adults, too, for your own good. Now, come on. It's for your own good. So this has been met with a lot of frustration by not only our own city council here in Merced and other city councils in our beautiful county of Mercy, but the Board of Supervisors are really getting a lot of heat. Supervisor Silvera, again, was the first to go. Twelve minutes. Twelve minutes, my friends. And this is after a two-hour meeting. I've, again, cherry-picked. I've had to go through, research this, a lot of time, record it, bring it to you. But I think there are salient, relevant points, especially given the situation in our uh, pandemic. Now, you're going to hear from Supervisor Pereira. I played you the start of his comments, wondering what day it was. I think he was, I hope he was making a joke, uh, referencing the length of time Supervisor Silvera talked. But again, I, I don't think you can talk long enough about it. Obviously, actions would help but there is a frustration out there in the community as well there should be about what to do how to go forward what the help's going to be what you didn't what i haven't talked about is the rest of the board meeting and i i will try to get to we only have a limited amount of time and i do want to play supervisor Pereira's comments from district five out there in river valley not a lot of incorporated cities i think they have gustine and then darren mcdaniel the senior member of the board, the member of the board that has the most tenure, the most experience, his comments will come on. And again, a very a very heartbreaking story about one of his uh, constituents that went through some really, really, uh, really, really bad situations with the COVID shutdown and what that meant to him. So now let's hear from Supervisor Pereira and McDaniel on their feelings about the governor's orders. Thank you, Supervisor Pereira. What, what day is it? Um, anyways, now uh, a little bit on COVID. Um, when we get an update or the state talks, it's a lot about um, what you know the the overall pandemic and and really we're far enough along in in the pandemic or the, well it's not a pandemic we're, we're far enough along in the health crisis that we should have data and you know supervisor silvera mentioned that the majority of the cases are where people transferring it to somebody they know and uh, you know which generally happens at a house and uh, so you know we're, we're penalizing um, our economy um, and and i think probably not increasing the safety of our citizens at the same time and so you know just the next time we get a COVID update i would like for it to focus on where we are now what what is the cause and effect of where we are now um, and that would be uh, including uh, the number of positive cases versus the number of people in hospital and how those track or do they not track 
Um, it's kind of amazing. You go and look at the number of cases. All of our data is from the beginning till now. And so we really, you know, the, the, the cases per capita um, that, that I try to use, you know, it's not current of what, what are the cases per capita right now. You know, it's, it's since March. Um, I think it would be more telling information if it was... Uh, uh, if it was delineated out in some fashion, I'm not sure how we could get it. If we could do it by month or um, or, or what, but uh, anyways, and and you know, it's just really frustrating um, uh, for me that we get dicta dictated to by the state that doesn't give us this kind of information that tells us why they need to do what they're doing. Um, the two criteria that they use don't seem to really track um, the severity of the of the um, health crisis here in Merced County and so you know hopefully you know the, the state knows that they should provide facts and information to help citizens if, if you're a citizen and you don't know what why and how how can you change your behavior um, to make yourself safer and uh, and I think you know wearing a mask is great and that's a mantra everybody's caught on to but uh, does a, wearing a mask help right what are the statistics we don't have those and so Anyways, it, it is a little frustrating for me as well. And and um, anyways, uh, to the citizens of District 4, uh, if you have questions, please give me a call. That's it, Mr. Chair. Thank you. We'll go to District 3. Sebastian McDaniel. Um, but yeah, let's go back to the pandemic. Um, uh, after speaking to a lot of my colleagues around the valley, uh, they've taken a stand against the governor. And against his outreach, I would like to encourage my colleagues to uh, work with me and do the same thing. Um, obviously, um, we're doing everything he's asked. We've done everything, and it hasn't worked. So at the same time, do we accept it, and do we continue to move on? Um, he, he's looking to impose a curfew. That's been uh, what he's been highlighting lately in his comments. So let's think about this. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, I use common sense. But if we have shopping at our stores from seven in the morning to 11 at night, and now we impose a curfew. Well, we're supposed to socially distance in these stores as we're doing our shopping. So he's gonna shorten the amount of hours that we all have to shop and that we all have to wait in line and all have to congregate and wait in line to get into these stores because now the store hours aren't open long enough. Um, and, and the fact that we're having this out, outbreak, which is the 18 to 35 year olds, let's be clear, it's 18 to 35 year olds who are with the mass outbreak. Well, I feel like it's the, it's the CDPH's uh, fault. Because just like my colleague from the West Side said, when we close all these places down, guess what? These people are gonna still do what they do at least if we have them in a professional atmosphere where they're abiding by the restrictions we've put on or putting up the proper safety precautions, then these folks can go and socialize in those areas. But what are they doing now? They're having house parties. They're congregating at the houses. And there is no control there. I get it, I was that age at one time too. And I'm sure I'd probably be doing the same thing. But at the same time, we're forcing these good, law-abiding folks to do these kind of things. And I definitely want to make sure we are going through the adjudication process. Um, the fact that the governor can pull that over the tail, over, off the table at a whim is unbelievable. If you follow uh, Assemblymember Kiley and him suing the governor, um, he did win in court. 
um, that he was out of his bounds of uh, casting the ballots out to everybody. I, I stand with Kevin Kiley on that, and I like that the ruling was vague enough that we can challenge all our governor's uh, dictatorships that he's put upon us. Um, I want to uh, thank you to Dr. Asadi too. She is right on point. The fact that we're having our water polo folks kick the ball out of chlorinated water every 10 minutes to have it sanitized is ridiculous. I'm glad we have them in the water, but these kids have got to play. The mental illness is real. I've lost a family member to suicide. He had a great year last year with his business. He was all in in investing in his business. By April, he had been closed. He was losing it all. The banks were calling. People are getting mad at us for helping out businesses. Well, there's no mortgage assistance for a business owner who just invested his entire life, life savings to starting a business. He's losing everything. He was losing everything. He took his life because of that. So it's real. It's happening. And we cannot allow it to happen. The silent pandemic is worse than the pandemic we're dealing with. My kids returned here from Los Angeles because of the tighter restrictions they have there. My son had the cops pulled, called on him because he didn't have a mask on in the laundromat. I mean, this is ridiculous. There was three people in the whole laundromat. So anyway, I, I am with you, uh, Mr. Silvera. Um, we are in communications with other boards of supervisors. I know Kings County has taken a stand against them. Fresno County has taken a stand. I think Madera County is moving that way. And so is Tulare County. We have to take the hand away from the dictatorship of what he's trying to impose on us. He doesn't know Merced County. I think he's been here one time and he flew through and shook a lot of hands. And next time we have a state legislator who says she wants to come and speak before us and talk about an update on legislation, stick to the point. You're not here to advocate. If you're here to advocate on behalf of somebody else, then you go pull a card or you go sign up. You, you speak for three minutes and then you leave. So don't come, uh, come in here saying you're going to give us some um, update and then you come in and try to dictate to us what we're going to do here at the Board of Supervisors. If you want to dictate to us, you show up and talk to us. Thank you, Mr. Chair. So as you can hear, a lot of frustration by the supervisors, especially Silvera, Pereira, and McDaniel in regards to what's going on at the state and really... Uh, you heard some frustration there with Senator Caballero. She had given a presentation prior uh, to the meeting really beginning. It was supposed to be a legislative update, and as you heard from Darren McDaniel, highly offended. Uh, some of the comments she made dictating to the Board of Supervisors what they should do, when they should do it, and as Supervisor McDaniel rightly pointed out, hey, fill out a card. You'll get your three minutes, and then the mic cuts off. But don't use a legislative update to pander a political ideal or position, which is too often what happens in this state. And really, as you heard uh, some of the comments made by the supervisors, they feel that because of the uh, 
hopeful outlook on the presidential election. These regulations, these restrictions are being imposed on us almost as a punishment. I thought those were very, very, very candid comments. Now, you notice that Supervisor Rodrigo Espinoza did not have any comments pertaining to the COVID. I didn't play them because there were none. And Supervisor Lore, I'm going to play some comments of hers at the start of the next segment regarding the uh, comments by Senator Caballero. But as far as any comments to the plight or sympathies to the business community, very little. Now, there was some discussion by Supervisor Lore in relation to what should be done with the CARES money that the county still has, approximately $14 million that needs to be spent by the end of the year, I believe, by December. And she talked about giving some sort of cash disbursement to county residents But regarding City of Merced residents that have already received cash help from the City of Merced, she indicated maybe those folks should be excluded. I found that an interesting comment for a couple of reasons. Supervisor Lohr's district, District 2, represents the majority of the City of Merced uh, north of 16th Street. And that would, of course, include a majority of her district. So to preclude them from any further cash payment I found kind of interesting in her mind but of course I don't think she was successful in the election so maybe that might have had something to do with it I don't know well we're out of time for the second segment of Citizen Watch 6 a.m. hour stick with us we'll be back Citizen Watch, hey, here we are, 6 a.m., November 21st, 2020. So happy to have you here with me. My name's Casey Steed, the voice of your valley. On Merced's News Talk, 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, KYOS. Had a little microphone issue here this morning. Hopefully the quality's not too bad. I don't know. Maybe the big kahuna, the big Luna, big kahuna. Dave Luna, excuse me, he uh, might have blown out the old one. I don't know. Hope he, he may not know about it yet. He might be hearing about this for the first time. As you know, we've been playing comments from the Merced Board of Supervisors meeting held last Tuesday. Very, very fresh. Uh, Supervisor comments from Lee Lore. Actually, you're going to be hearing from Lee Lore. Just a a brief comment regarding Senator Caballero, who gave a quote-unquote legislative update at the start of the meeting. was more of a demands of the supervisors. But we did hear already from Supervisor Scott Silvera, 12-minute tirade against the governor, against the California Department of Public Health, dictating to the residents of Merced County what to do, the business owners, without any help. Talk about unfunded mandates. Again, the testing, everything, we've done everything right, and yet here we find ourselves still in these positions where we uh, are closing down businesses essential to the tax base You've heard a lot of rumor about civil disobedience, 
pushback, and now the Board of Supervisors are doing that. We heard from Darren McDaniel, senior member of the board. District 3 represents Atwater. Of course, as you know, Atwater has been very militant, very vocal in their opposition to Governor Newsom's mandates, declaring themselves a sanctuary city for economic freedom. Kind of a play on words with the sanctuary city designation that so many cities, the left-leaning, into-the-wind progressives, uh, regarding immigration, but this was regarding the institution of free enterprise, private enterprise, and what our country is based on, especially when it comes to the tax base, when everybody has their handout. A lot of comments at the Board of Supervisors meeting on the 17th prior to these comments that we played to you today, this morning in the 6 a.m. hour of Citizen Watch. These comments that you're hearing were two hours plus into the meeting. The first co- the first part of the meeting was dominated by folks coming up asking for more relief from the county in the form of rental assistance, rental forgiveness, utility assistance, utility forgiveness, cash payments. Uh, one of the things I found interesting in Senator Caballero's legislative quote-unquote update. Again, Darren McDaniel very, very uh, spot-on with calling it what it was, a a lobbying effort on Senator Caballero's part, and it just showed how out of touch with her district. I don't know if she ever talks to her local staff here that are ensconced safely in the COVID-free Enclave above 510 Bistro, not a far walk for lunch if you need to meet a lobbyist. But I don't know if they ever talked to Diana Westmoreland. Is she using her last name now? Is it okay, Pedrozo? She wasn't using that during the election of her nephew, but maybe now she's using it. But does does Senator Caballero, does Senator Caballero ever talk to her local staff? Because she didn't even know. If we're taking funds for Project Room Key, Senator Caballero, let me inform you. I'm sure she's a listener of Citizen Watch, probably listens to the repeats on our website, 1480kyos.com. Go to the podcast, click on them. There they are. I'm sure Senator Caballero knows now or will after listening to this show that, yes, yes, we have taken money for Project Room Key. A lot of our homeless are there. Now, she mentioned a project, uh, Project Harvest. Was that it? Let me look here in my copious notes. That's right, Project Harvest. Now, she's very familiar with that. This is where the farm workers, those folks that put the food on your plate, not the, not the owners and growers, not the landowners, no, 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 the workers. I'm not saying they don't, but Project Harvest. This uh, provides housing, rooms, that sort of things, uh, so folks can isolate again during the pandemic. Now, I don't know what they have for the business owners. Do they have any kind of project uh, bankruptcy, project reorganization, project chapter 11, any, anything for those folks? Because the state is tone deaf. Our own state senator does not even know that we take money 
for Project Room Key to house our homeless. So I guess when you're on the other side of the Pacheco Pass, it's a little a little hard to know what goes on in the different counties, as she said. Lots of counties under her tutelage, under her purview. And again, I don't know what the local staff is doing here, if anything, to get the information to Senator Caballero. It would be interesting that the staff here locally would talk to the Board of Supervisors. Of course, now I guess there will be an in on the Board of Supervisors with Senator Caballero's office. I hope, I hope there's some communication that will go on. But again, the comments that we played today by the Board of Supervisors express the frustration not only in the community, but among the business owners. And then you have the city of Merced looking at a study to come down with a public benefit improvement district, a PBID district, for the downtown business owners as if you haven't suffered enough. As if you haven't suffered enough, we want you to tax yourselves. Please tax yourselves some more. Because again, that double taxation on business license fees, well, that doesn't seem to be working out so well. We need to go after the real estate the land. Now, I don't know how you landowners downtown feel about that. I mean, you wouldn't pass that. You wouldn't pass that on to the rent, would you? I mean, half those buildings wouldn't meet code now. That's the problem, trying to lease or rent them. No fire sprinklers, no this, no that. But again, we put all these, all these onerous regulations on folks, look at new way of taxing, and yet we won't even let them open up. In, in, in as we speak, as we come to air to you this morning, these businesses are technically supposed to be closed. Now, I don't know what's going to happen here in Merced County. It was refreshing hearing the comments by the Board of Supervisors. Our own city council was not as, mm, how would you say it, upset. Of course, it happened on Monday, and the uh, Merced City Council meeting was held on Monday night. By Tuesday, it was starting to sink in. Again, this came out a day early from the state. Usually they come out with the bad news or where we are as a county on Tuesday. And again, it was a 24-hour edict. There was no room. And, and tonight at 10 o'clock, you're all supposed to be inside with the kids. I don't know doing what. You can't go out. You can't go to the store. You can't go, can't go to uh, the drive-in unless you're essential. Now, they are going to let the drive-in stay open. I think the uh, the uh, 24-hour window at Jack in the Box, you know, make a run for the border, whatever you're doing there to get uh, to get the uh, the munchies, you know, because you're staying in. I, I guess that's okie-dokie. But stores, all those things, uh, you're supposed to be done by 10 o'clock in the evening and uh, sequester yourself indoors uh, so that something doesn't get you until 5 5 a.m. The virus is not active from 10 p.m. Evidently, 2,200 hours for you military types to 0500, 5 a.m. Evidently, the virus is inactive during this time. And, of course, being inside with others during this time does not present a danger. Now, I don't, you know, it kind of gets back into the uh, discussion we had. Remember when they wanted to restrict the hours on the parks? Woo-hoo! My word, you thought people were uh, martial law. You can't tell me when I can go to the park, when I can jog. What if, what if a UC student is walking through? You know, What if somebody, an ER nurse, gets off at 2 a.m. and needs to 
let off a little steam, you know? Oh, no, not now. No, not now. You're all supposed to be inside because you're going to die if you go outside, right? Isn't that what the governor's saying? Unless you go to the French Laundry, just for kicks, just for kicks, you guys that have internet service, the kids not using all the bandwidth for the distance learning, look up the menu on the French Laundry. Look up the menu on the French Laundry up there in Napa. Starts at about three sixty-five a person. Takes a year and a half, two years to get a reservation that's not on a you know Monday at 2 a.m. It's absolutely unbelievable. And this guy, this governor, dictates to us. I'm going to read an interesting article from Dan Walters. Great columnist, 60 years in the business. Hard to believe. I mean, this guy is a savant. And he talks about the... Uh, <laughs> This governor, this governor, how he could only survive in California with cow matters. Governor Newsom. Anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Let me, I want to play the comment uh, from Supervisor Lore where she thanks Senator Caballero for giving the quote unquote legislative update. And Supervisor Lore acknowledges. In her comments, so, you know, hey, maybe not everybody feels the same way. How's that fuzzy, warm feelings uh, for Senator Caballero and what she had, what she's done, or her lack of knowledge for the area? But Supervisor Lore wants to let Supervisor Caballero know that uh, she does appreciate her comments. And then that's it. And I, you know, again, I've played the comments from those supervisors that showed some concern. In the comment portion of the meeting, when you would show that concern, again, two hours into the meeting, no comments by, no substantive, uh, substantial comments by Supervisor Espinoza that I could find, and, and Supervisor Lohr, uh, other than reaffirming what Senator Caballero talked about, which was some help uh, for certain folks, uh, nothing, absolutely nothing. So I have to commend. Supervisor Silvera, again, for his 12-minute tirade. I wish that all of the supervisors uh, could have articulated as well as he did the frustrations not only within his district but with the state, how he talked about he was a team player for eight months, nine months, did everything. He doesn't care about the money. He doesn't care about the lawsuits. Bring it on. You heard him tell county council. Looks like you'll be busy. Earn that $250,000. And, of course, this, you know, filing the uh, the waiver, the lien, the, the, the please, mother may I, that isn't going to go anywhere. So, again, Supervisor Silvera's comments are spot on. Let me end up the show here with Supervisor Lore and her comments uh, regarding the purple tier and the pandemic. Supervisor Lore. Thank you. Um, with that, I did want to thank um, our Senator Caballero for speaking. Um, you did share similar concerns that the county has, and I know that you have a different um, audience that a majority of us here on the dais may not have. So that was it. That was the whole, the whole ball of wax. That's all she had to say. You know, if you don't have the same views, well, we understand that, but Thank you for talking to those that do. And guess what? They're the majority. The Democrats in the county are the majority. That's why Senator Caballero got elected. 
As you remember, Rob Poitras was running for that office, the supervisor from Madera County. Of course, Madera County's been in the purple for months and months, and they never got out of it. I don't know. I don't know if we got the representation that we need or the representation that we want. But I guess that's why we have elections. Oh, my word. The time goes by so quickly, my friends. Appreciate all the time that we can spend together. Again, apologize for the sound quality today. It's been a little a little weird. We'll be back after Roger Wood with the 8 o'clock show and then the bonus half hour at 9. Again, if you can't catch us, you can always go online, 1480kyos.com, over there at the podcast section. Hey, we have last week's shows up, too. Really appreciate everybody that watches those. My name's Casey Steed, the voice of your valley, or listens to them. I guess you don't watch them too much, do you? On Merced's News Talk, 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, KYOS. We'll see you later.